And that energizes me so much, I would even be willing to try a 100-yard dash again. <laughs> no, not really. But uh, just celebrate with those who uh, uh, publicly declared their faith. And again, we've had so many do that. But if you're here today and uh, you haven't taken that step, that is an important step in your life. And so come and see us in the office, see me personally. Uh, we would love to celebrate with you and proclaim <clears throat> uh, your identification with Christ. As he went down in the grave, I identify with his death. As he comes up out of the water, I identify with his resurrection and the new life that he brings into my life. And so um, just congratulations to those who did that. We celebrate with you as a church family. I'm going to ask you a question today. I don't want you to raise your hand because you might reveal something about yourself you don't want to, but any of you familiar with the, uh, the group of people, a group of guys, I guess it could be ladies, that are called the wise guys? No, you're not supposed to raise your hand, so that's good. All right, it's this group of guys that uh, are in Las Vegas, and their whole job, their whole role, every day they get up, is to <clears throat> pour over data, pour over injury reports, pour over news reports, and their whole job, think about this, their whole job, and they make tons of money doing it, is to just try to make an educated guess about, or set a line, a gambling line, for that coming weekend or week's games. That's all they do. We call them the wise guys. And they're like in some kind of, you know, big office, and that's all they do. And yet, this week, millions of dollars have flowed through what they're doing as people are, are, uh, are trusting in their wisdom, their expertise about a sporting event, a matchup between two teams, a golfer, a, a, a swimmer, or a, a, a national team. We value intelligence, don't we? We really do. We are looking for wisdom. I'm the same way. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the TED Talks, um, but guys, it's free, and it's online, it's on YouTube or whatever, and you can just watch the smartest people in the world talk about things. They're just entertained by it. I might not even care about the subject, but I'm entertained by their wisdom, their intelligence. Right? Just sit there and watch them talk about something I not even thought about before. We just value intelligence. I tell you how we know this. I was thinking about this. <laughs> I've been so guilty of this, and you have too, if you're a parent. That's one of the things we do early on with our kids. Man, they're just they're so smart. Right? I don't know a one of you who hasn't said that about your kids. I mean, and we're going to share that, right? Like, did you know my kid, like he's two years old, and he's already reading the encyclopedia? <laughs> like, he can already, like, right? We, we, there's just like this innate desire for intelligence, to be smart, and to have smart kids, and like, that's just something that is important to us. I actually found in my own life that, that, and God helped me through this, a lot of times 
What I valued with my kids had nothing to do with my kids. It was about me, right? It's just, this is a side sermon here for a minute. But most of the time, a lot of times in athletics and all sorts of, it doesn't have anything to do about the kid. It's you're finding your identity in your kid. And so you need your kid to do this or that because it's you that needs the prop. Can I get an amen? That's true, even if you didn't say amen. They, they're, they're writing stories about it right now on the national news, like not even Christian stuff, talking about parents who are just blowing so much time and energy, living vicariously through their kids. Help us to be discerning in that. I want to, I, you guys know me, my kids participate in a lot of different stuff. I don't ever want to put it on them, my deal. My identity should be secure in Christ. All right, that's a sideline. Oh, I'm done. But here's the deal. James, Pastor James, uh, caring about his people in such a, a loving, compassionate way, is writing this book, and it's basically coming down to these two words. Faith acts. What is faith? Well, I have faith. What does that mean? I believe in this. What does that mean? James is wanting to unpack for these people in the first century and for us what it really means to have faith. You can have faith in a lot of things, but what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? And his premise is this, that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you take that step and say, I invite you into my life as Savior, and by virtue of who you are, you're not only Savior, but you're Lord. And if I invite you into my life as Savior and Lord, all of a sudden something happens in me where the Holy Spirit of God is living in my heart, and now all of a sudden he is motivating, inspiring, he's energizing, he's compelling me to live this life that I never could pull off before, I never wanted before, I never was capable of before. It, it, that's what faith is. That's what faith in Christ is. It is an active faith. There is no faith in Christ where you just have a nice little checklist of, I believe this about him, I believe this about God. I've got this all squared away. My theology is really good. I know everything about God. He said, that's not faith. You can even say, hey, I'm a Christian. I go to church I live by certain moral standards that I recognize the scriptures are teaching. I must have faith. And James is saying, whoa, 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 just a second. You need to understand something about faith. And it's like this book is like a check yourself kind of book. And that's what we've been doing this summer is like, okay, do I have faith? Is it real? Is it authentic? Because what happens as he works through this book is he begins to talk about every different area of our life and saying, listen, faith in Christ is active in this area of your life. Like last week, and I'm not going to review chapters 1 and 2. They're online if you want to watch or whatever. But um, chapter 3, especially, we just talked about the first 12 verses of chapter 3 last week. And it was living faith in Christ acts in the way that I talk. My communication, my tongue, so to speak, right? The way that I communicate, what I say, how I say it, matters. 
And faith in Christ all of a sudden takes our speech, our communication, takes it from being slanderous, gossip-filled, negative, profane, filthy, all these words that the scriptures talk about. And all of a sudden, this walk with Jesus, this living faith, I begin to speak in ways that are, the scriptures say, are grace-filled. Like, I just, I don't, I don't talk the same way I did. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get frustrated and just blow up and all this stuff is going on in me and it affects the way I talk, right? And if I look at my life, I see that active faith in Christ creates a speech pattern that is seasoned with salt, filled with grace. Seasoned with salt is this idea of preserving. I speak truth that preserves the way of Jesus Christ in this world. I am willing to speak truth. I do it in a way that is gentle, it's kind, considerate, but it communicates the way, the life that Christ brings. Right? Are you with me? Oh, great. Let's just sew it up right now. So guess what? James is going to come back around to something that he touched on in chapter 1 we talked about, but he comes back because it's like, hey, I just want to remind you, I want to come back to the foundation. You ever been in a class, ever looked at a syllabus, a good teacher, a good coach? They're going to start with foundational things, and then they're going to move to uh, more extensive knowledge or uh, a more extensive offensive or defensive strategy, right? And then what is a good coach going to do? They're going to come back around and keep talking about the fun- fundamentals, correct? The best teams, the best teachers have a, a, an ability to say, hey, we're going here, but to get here, you have to rest on a good foundation. And so I want to bring it back and talk about the foundation. And that's what James is doing. It's like I've talked about how we treat people, we're impartial, how we, uh, <clears throat> how we endure in trials, how we're victorious in temptation, how we respond to the word of God, all these things. And it's like he circles back for about five verses in the middle of this and comes back to a foundational thing. And faith acts in the way that we think. In the way that we think. In a world that values intelligence, in a world that desires to be intelligent, the Word of God offers a picture of what intelligence really is. And it's in this word, wisdom. It's a word that we we all are familiar with. Wisdom is a great theme of Scripture. In fact, there's books that we call wisdom literature, right? Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Um, wisdom is this it's God's gift to his people enabling them to live in this world that aligns with God's purposes and will how do I figure out what God wants what he's wanting to do with my life how he wants me to live my life that's God's gift in this gift of wisdom it's promised in chapter 1 he said listen I'm talking about trials, and it's hard to understand why we go through hard or bad things. And often we can be tempted to quit, mail it in, uh, be discouraged, all these things. And he said, in the middle of that, I'm encouraging you, ask for wisdom from God. He will give to you liberally. He'll pour it out on you so you can discern and understand what God is wanting to accomplish in your life. 
right? It's this gift from God, wisdom. And here's what he's going to say, and I think what we need to know, again, how faith acts in this area of my life, this area of my life, this area of my life. Um, he comes back to a foundational thing because Jesus said this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? Proverbs says that, Jesus kind of echoes that. What you think about is who you become. Correct? Like if I, let's say I, uh, uh, I, I become consumed with wanting to be rich, wealthy. Okay? I want to be a one percenter. All right? That's why I'm doing this job. No. I'm treated very well. But I'm never going to become a one percenter doing this, right? And I'm okay with that. But what if I did want to be that? And I begin to obsess over that. I begin to think about becoming wealthy, becoming rich, becoming rich, becoming rich. What is going to inevitably happen in my life? I am going to begin to act in ways in which I think is the best way to obtain wealth. But it started a long time ago when in my mind I begin to value this. I begin to dwell on this. You become who you think. This is the way of the world. You think, therefore you then act. And so here we go with, I want to bring you back around how faith looks in the way that you think. And James does this remarkable job of introducing to us this stark contrast about our patterns of thought. About truly how we should think that will then direct our actions. And this is what he says. Again, in that culture, wisdom was something they, I mean, this is the age of the philosophers, right? Aristotle, Socrates, I mean, they just valued wisdom. And this is what James says. Who is wise and understanding among you? This is the phrase, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. I mean, right up front, he continues to beat that drum that he's beat all throughout the scripture. I would say it this way. You remember when your mom told you, or at least my mom told me when I became about dating age, she says, pretty is, do you know that phrase? As pretty does, right? Don't be fooled by a pretty face if they're like rotten, right? Well, here's what I would say James is saying. Smart is as smart does. Who is wise and understanding among you? You know who's wise? Those who show it by their good life. That's good conduct, good behavior. They show it in their life. The deeds that their life carries out shows that they are wise. And in fact, the personality of wisdom always has been, always will be humility. Don't be fooled. Someone is not wise if they give off arrogance. They are not wise. God might have gifted them with some kind of high-functioning brain. Okay? Like their intelligence is higher. But God does not consider them to be wise or smart. There is never a compatibility with arrogance and wisdom. They cannot coexist. If I am arrogant, I am a foolish person. I am not wise. 
This word humility is the same word that, that, that Matthew used all through his gospel to describe Jesus Christ. Humility is this. It's Jesus. Okay? That's our understanding of humility. The picture of what does it mean to be humble? It's Jesus Christ. And so what he says is deeds that we do in humility, the Christ-like pattern to our life is what proves whether we're wise or not. Smart is as smart does. And if you are not living a life of good conduct, good behavior, you are considered by God to be a fool. Okay? Again, the Old Testament did such a wonderful job of taking a word like intelligence, taking a word like knowledge, and separating it from what it means to be wise and have understanding. This is one of the great paradoxes of our world, that so often the brightest minds in our world, in our universities, are the most godless in their behaviors. Right? And I'm just telling you right now, smart is as smart does. Don't call people smart if their life is not a life of good behavior. It's like you went to school with that kid, right? Who like was so smart they didn't have to study for a test. Didn't that just make you so mad? I probably, well, yeah, you just want to punch them, right? Look, walk in and be like, did you study? No. Walk out, what'd you get? 93. You kidding me? Right? I guarantee you, you can in your mind think of people that were that smart that today are working a minimum wage job, maybe on drugs, totally failed in life. They are not smart, they are not wise. Wisdom has to do with knowledge that's enacted into our lives. That's what smart is. And if I don't allow good conduct to become the pattern of my life, I am a foolish person. And so basically, wisdom, our understanding of what it is to be wise, and that way enabling us to live in a world that we understand and live out God's purposes and will, is this. Show is greater than no. Maybe I should have had that backwards. I don't know. Greater sign, right? I had to find that on my computer. Show is greater than no. And faith creates a wisdom in our life that creates a good lifestyle. That's wisdom. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by this world's systems and what it values and prioritizes. Don't follow after people who you think are smart, but their life does not show any kind of good conduct. Don't do it. You're not wise. They are foolish. And Proverbs has a lot of things to say about us following after fools or keeping company with fools. Correct? Everybody awake? Like, let just listen. Okay, we're good. Here's what he says. No, or show, is, is better than no. That's how I understand wisdom. 
He says, listen, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. It's like this descent, like these are not the steps you want to go down. Earthly, okay, just good wisdom, like, you know, everybody has this basic natural wisdom. Don't touch the stove when it's hot. I mean, that's wise, right? Don't run out in the middle of the interstate. Earthly. Then it's, but, but you see, if we don't have wisdom from its above, it continues a slide into unspiritual. And actually, he uses the word demonic. And what he is doing is he's creating a contrast that in this world, there truly are only two ways of thinking. There's thinking of the wisdom from above, from God, and there is the thinking of this world, which at the core of the thinking of this world, it is satanic. Because Satan desired in the beginning to, to be self-centered, to be self-serving, to create everything around him, correct? And as he does that with Eve convincing her that God's holding back, she is missing out. That's what he continues to do in this world by sowing lies and deceiving all the time into a pattern of thinking that actually the world centers around me. Like the end goal is for me to be happy, for me to be fulfilled, right? And that is the contrast of thought in our world. At the end of the day, is it wisdom that comes from God that's lived out in humility, modeled after Jesus Christ? This word come down from heaven is the same word that John uses when he talks about being born from above. Born again, born anew. God actually comes into our life through the power of his word, through the inspiration of his Holy Spirit, and begins to reset reorient our fallen, darkened way pattern of thinking. And he says, who's wise and understanding among you? Well, get this. Wisdom comes only from God himself. Inspired is greater than... I spelled acquired wrong, didn't I? Oh my goodness, don't look at that. <laughs> oh, great. That'll come up some point somewhere. A-C-Q-U-R-I-D. U-I-R-E-D. Whatever, you know the word. See, we tend to think that if you get gray hair and have life experiences, you become wise. Nonsense. You only become wise through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God speaking into your life. I've met a lot of people that have gray hair and have made a whole litany of bad choices. They can tell you about what they did wrong, but they're not wise. Wisdom only comes from above, from the Word of God. 
The only way I can determine, discern, and know how to live in this world, how I was created, design the purposes, the will of God for my life, which are abundant and life-giving, and it's the place I want to be more than any other place. The center of God's will comes from the wisdom that's from above. That's also great for us, too, because I don't have to be 70 years old before I can know God's will. Right? All I have to be is in God's word, receiving his wisdom. And I can be 15 years old and know God's word and experience God's will for my life. Wisdom, it's inspired, not acquired. This is what he says. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For when you have envy and selfish ambition... Then you have disorder in every evil practice. This word disorder is double-minded. It's this idea of confusion, a restlessness, an unsettled state. I would say this, Christians reluctantly engage in argument for the sake of truth. But often, too many times, Christians quarrel with other Christians for wrong reasons. To prove that they are smarter or they see the scripture in a better way. And their intention is not pure. He's going to say wisdom is pure. It's okay to be passionate about beliefs, but passion must be directed to the right purpose, not personal recognition. And this is the last thing he's going to say. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It's like the fruits of the Spirit kind of idea. It's like, again, the fruits of the Spirit come from the Holy Spirit. Wisdom comes from what? The Holy Spirit in your life speaking you through His Word. And we need... as kingdom people, as James tells us to have a living, active faith, to understand that we have all that we need to know for our lives, for God's purpose and will for our lives, through the power of his Holy Spirit speaking to us through his word. Right? And if you've lived your whole life thinking, I'm just kind of dumb, I'm not as smart as the next guy, I didn't do so Guess what? None of that matters with God. God has given to each of us the same word. And to each of us, if we follow that word, we become wise. We figure out how to live life, how it was designed and created to be. It's amazing. And it's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It's like the last thing he wants to share with us is this. That being wise, it does all these things, these good fruits, but it really causes you to be a peacemaker. 
that wisdom understands how God sees the world. And God had one intent with the world. To reconcile the world to himself. To bring the peace of God and the peace with God into my life. Into our lives. That's what God is intent with all the time. Reconciling. And a wise person thinks through every conversation. I know that's a weighty word and some of you are overwhelmed when I say every. Like, I'm sorry. That sounds like you're perfectionist out there. Like, I can't do it. I give up. Don't say ever, every, always, never. Consistently, is that a better word? A wise person consistently is thinking, how is this conversation, how is this relationship, how is this work environment, how am I acting in this work environment? How am I promoting, giving opportunity to the peace of God coming in to not only my heart, but the hearts around us. That's wisdom. You want to know why I say that? It's because of this, this powerful passage in 1 Corinthians. Who is the wise person? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God's turning everything upside down to prove how insufficient we truly are in our own strength. He says this, God was pleased that through the preach, the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. But we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and what? The wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human flesh. What is the wisdom of God? It's Christ crucified. That's it. It's the wisdom and power of God. And so God, what did Christ accomplish on the cross? Reconciling opportunity for man and God to be reconciled. Right? And so wisdom is Christ crucified. And how I live every day is living through that lens, that framework of I want to be wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And the primary will of the Lord is that the peace of God is flooding my heart, my soul, and I then also become an agent of bringing the peace of God and from God into this world. Blessed are the peacemakers for theirs the kingdom of heaven to be truly wise is to desire in circumstance consistently in circumstances in conversations in relationships to try to to try to draw myself and people into the peace of god that's what it is to be wise Because that mirrors what God is all about. Who is wisdom incarnate. And Christ, who is the wisdom of God, had one mission. To reconcile the world to himself. And so I would say this. Did I spell these words right? I don't know. I'm having a bad day. 
Recon- I don't even know if I spelled that right, did I? Reconciled is greater than being recognized. And you can consider me the dumbest person. Don't raise your hand. But as long as I'm living a lifestyle and conduct and behavior that is mirroring Jesus' life to the best of my ability, and I know none of us are perfect and we're growing in grace, then I am wise. Smart is as smart does. That's what John reminds us about wisdom. Don't be enamored by this world and its relentless pursuit of intelligence, of knowledge. Remember what Solomon said? I was reading that this week. I didn't put it in my sermon. But Solomon asked for wisdom. He became the wisest man who ever lived, right? Smartest. And he said what it caused him to do, though, is he got off track and he started to pursue all of these other things. And he said at the end of the day, it was empty. It was void. It was nothing. God wants us to have a faith that acts in the way that we think so that thinking in a new way is the way id, oh my goodness. Id the way that faith acts. Jeez. I guess I was cross-eyed this morning, or cross-eyed this week. The word I want you to leave with is this. Wisdom is a gift that God gives. That it actually, and James reminds us that if any man asks or lacks, God gives liberally. God desires so much for his people to be wise. Ephesians says, do not be foolish, but be wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And he has promised through the presence of the Holy Spirit and his written word to give you everything that you need to know for godly living. To experience the life that he's always intended. You might not be able to do calculus. Come on, guys. Or trigonometry. But you can experience absolutely to the most fulfilling point God's life for you because you've accessed the all-wise God in his word who gives you the way to take and you're smarter than the person that can do rocket science because wisdom is living out the knowledge that God gives us in a way accomplishes his will and purpose. That's what it is to be wise. And there's not a one of us that should hang our heads today and say, well, just not that smart. Guess I'm going to miss out on that. No! He's given you his word. The opportunity for every one of us to live as wise people. To figure it out. To experience Hey, he helped me to make this decision. He showed me how to live this way. And all of a sudden, the blessing and the abundance and the peace and the joy of God is flooding my heart 
It's creating relationships that are full and fulfilling and rich. It's creating purpose that's meaningful. It's creating a lifestyle where I'm not tripping up to this sin that, that, that destroys my life and messes me up. I'm getting victory over those things because his wisdom, his words working in my life and I'm experiencing freedom. You shall know truth and the truth shall do what? Set you free. And there's not a one of us today that is exempt from understanding and being wise. You didn't have to be a, a B or an A student. No. Can you read the word of God? Can you open your heart in prayer to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to show you what he's saying to you in his word? You can be wise. And you can realize the purpose, the plan, and the will of God for your life. There's two ways of thinking. Wisdom that's from above. Wisdom that's earthly. Unspiritual. Faith in Christ creates in me this ability to begin to get into his word, to understand his word, and to know how he desires for me to live, and it begins to make sense. I stop making so many foolish choices. Not perfectly, you can ask my wife. Life begins to make sense, it becomes ordered getting out of my own way I'm feeling content satisfied I'm fulfilled energized how? because I've become wise because I've allowed God's word to filtrate my thinking and then affect my actions and I have stable long standing life giving relationships because I've learned how to be Amen. Father, you call us to be wise, this wisdom that helps us to understand how you want us to live. And yet, it's not a select few or A students. Every single one of us can be wise. So Lord, help us to live with one singular understanding. Wisdom comes from above. And I will not be intimidated by the thought patterns of this world. I will not allow them to press me into a mold that tells me that I have to do this and this and this to be smart or intelligent, to be successful. No, wisdom is from above. And that if I allow my life to be ordered by the will of God through his word, I will be completely satisfied, fulfilled. So Lord, give us that singular mindset and help us to leave here with hope. Every one of us can be wise. Every one of us can figure it out. Every one of us can live a life that follows God's purpose and plan. Thank you, Father. Go with us, I pray in Jesus' name.
Thank you. Have a great week. Celebrate with those who are baptized. Make sure you give them a hug if you see them. This is a great day for them. It's a significant event. And if you haven't been baptized, please see us. We would love to celebrate that with you. Have a great week.